Let us pray. God, let us hear what you want us to hear so that we might be who you want us to be and do what you want us to do. Amen. So as I shared with the children, we're starting a new series today on the book of Galatians. We start with chapter 1, verse 1. Let us listen together for God's word to us. Paul, an apostle, sent neither by human commission nor from human authorities, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead and all the brothers and sisters with me to the churches of Galatia, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ who gave himself for our sins to set us free from the present evil age according to the will of our God and Father to whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Not that there is another gospel, but there are some who are confusing you and want to pervert the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should proclaim to you a gospel contrary to what we proclaimed to you, let that one be accursed. As we have said before, so now I repeat, if anyone proclaims to you a gospel contrary to what you received, let that one be accursed. Am I now seeking human approval or God's approval? Or am I trying to please people? If I were still pleasing people, I would not be a servant of Christ. For I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that the gospel that was proclaimed by me is not of human origin. For I did not receive it from a human source, nor was I taught it, but I received it through a revelation of Jesus Christ. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The Galatian church has a major blind spot. And that blind spot has to do with their adherence to their faith. And so this series on the book of Galatians over the next six weeks, I'm calling Losing My Religion. Because part of what needs to happen among the Galatians is that they need to loosen their grip on their religious tradition in order to enable them to embrace the gospel. This is a challenge for the church in any time and place, a challenge to assess our own convictions and to discover ways that our religion can actually lead us away from the gospel. The key conflict in the Galatian church is how the church relates to outsiders and what stands in the way of those outsiders coming into the family of faith. And to put a very fine point on it, it has to do with the law. The, gen the, the Galatian community is a Jewish community who has chosen to follow Jesus, to speak of them as a Christian church doesn't quite make sense just yet. Mostly they are Jews who believe that Jesus is the Messiah, and so those who want to join their community are joining a Jewish community and are asked to join by doing the things that a Jewish community does. Do they follow the law or do they not have to? That is the question the Galatians are trying to answer, and we can see right from the beginning of this letter that the Galatians are not handling this problem very well. 
Paul begins this letter as he begins all of his letters with a salutation, letting them know who this letter is from. Paul, an apostle of the Lord Jesus Christ, and all of the brothers and sisters with me. That much is standard. But if you look at other letters of Paul, Corinthians, Colossians, Thessalonians, Paul also, after his salutation, will express his gratitude for the church, for their service in the gospel, and the ways that they are living out the call that has been placed upon them. But here's what Paul says immediately following his salutation to the Galatians. I am astonished. This is the equivalent of a teenager coming home and the first words he hears from his parents are come in here please he knows it's not good even if he has no idea what this is about so what is it that they've done why is Paul astonished at the Galatians he says I'm astonished that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel So as Gentiles in Galatia saw something compelling in the life of the Galatian church, as they wanted to come into the Galatian church, the Galatian church welcomed them with open arms and said, here's all you need to do. You just need to follow the law, which of course, at least for the men, begins with circumcision. And they are asking all of these Gentile converts to embrace the law just as they have. And we'll say more about this in particular as we get farther along into Paul's letter. But for now, it's important to note that for Paul, this question of the law, and in particular circumcision, it's not just a misunderstanding or a misinterpretation. It's not just a simple honest mistake or a minor conflict for Paul it means they have deserted God for Paul it means that they have utterly missed the point of the gospel this doesn't feel too unfamiliar compared to other New Testament texts the writers of the New Testament are often concerned about other gospels false teachers False prophets are often warning the church against being led astray, driving home the importance of staying true to the gospel and of getting it right. This is very common in the New Testament. So generally, that's how we're predisposed to think about these words from Paul. We're talking about a question of right or a wrong understanding of Paul's teaching. We're talking about a difference between good theology and bad theology, orthodoxy and heresy. I think Presbyterians in particular are predisposed to read it in this way because historically, we care a great deal about getting our doctrine just right, articulating it clearly and then defending it to the teeth making sure that not only we get it right, but anyone who comes into our orbit gets it right because we care a great deal about the intellect and the expression of the intellect in the life of faith. So we're going to read this story as a question of theology. But this would be a misreading of Paul's letter. It's not a question of correct theology. If it were, if Paul were just wading into a theological controversy, I think that would be easier for us. 
because what we, what we can do is we can look back 2,000 years and say, those Galatians, they misunderstood the gospel. But we understand it. We've got it right now. We get it. We can look down our noses at the Galatians who were foolish enough not to understand the changes that Jesus had brought about. We can look down our nose, frankly, at anyone who doesn't quite get the gospel right like we do. It's tempting to look at the Galatian church and conclude that the problem is that they didn't get their religion quite right. But the opposite is, in fact, true. The Galatians are getting their doctrine, their theology, their religion just right. And that's the problem. The pandemic began at the end of a school year, and we, parents of young children, suffered through about six weeks of school during that time. By the time the fall rolled around, school districts had had a little bit of time to plan and adapt to the changes. And so in our home, our kids were doing school at home for a few months at the start of that next school year, which meant I was the default tutor and principal and superintendent. And would you just be quiet and go to your room and give me a few minutes peace while I try to survive? And one of my children was in third grade that year, which is, of course, the year that kids typically learn multiplication. And I studied math for a long time. I went through Calc 3 in college. I don't remember it, but I did it. But I do consider myself something of an expert on multiplication. And so when my daughter asked for help with her multiplication homework, I thought, sure, I'd be glad to impart my knowledge to you, child, about multiplication. When I learned multiplication, it was about facts. Repetition, memorization, page after page after page, and eventually you learn them cold. And that's not how they teach multiplication anymore. Now, instead of leading with facts, now they lead with the concept, concept of multiplication. And once the kids grasp the concept, then they move on to facts. But the language, the terms, the tools that they use to teach the concepts were completely foreign to me. And when I tried to help my daughter with her multiplication homework, I wanted to just skip over the concept and just get straight to the facts because I can tell you the answer. Here is the answer. And she would tell me the homework doesn't ask for the answer, doesn't want the answer, wants me to show that I understand the concept. My knowledge of multiplication prevented me from being able to help her. It stood in the way. And my only solution was to stand back and to let my third grader teach me math. <laughs> the Galatians have all of the facts. They know that religion has rules. Religion has boundaries. And that it's up to good religious folks to maintain those boundaries, to enforce those rules, to preserve their cherished tradition. And this Jewish community of followers of Jesus, they knew what the law requires, and they know 
that keeping the law means keeping the covenant and that keeping the covenant is keeping the faith and that this is their purpose and what they've been called to do. But by the time Paul is writing this letter to them, they've reached a point where their devotion to their religion now stands between them and what God is trying to do through them. What do we do when our religion gets in the way? We stand back and we let our third grader teach us math. We tend to treat religion as if it itself somehow has possession of what it teaches, as if it itself grants us access to the divine, as if it itself contains what is holy. And if all of that were true, then the most important thing in the world would be to get our religion right, to get into the right religion. Purity of practice would be holiness, Correct belief would be the key to unlocking our access to God. But that's not what religion is. That's not what religion ever has been. The biblical story begins before creation with the Spirit of God hovering over the waters of chaos. At the very beginning of the story, God is in motion. Is God an artifact that we unearth and then contain and preserve or is God an active force that changes lives and changes this world if we believe the things that we say about God that God is indeed active that God's spirit is in fact at work in the world then our religion whatever flavor our religion is is always a step behind and probably more than just one step Religion can never keep up with a God who is alive, active, moving. Which means that the purpose of religion should be to give shape, to give form, to give language to what we've learned so far. But never imagining to have the full or the only picture, never imagining to capture the movement of the living God. The philosopher John Caputo writes this about religion. He says, religion is for the unhinged. The religious sense of life awakens when we lose our bearings and let go, when we find ourselves brought up against something that exceeds our powers, that overpowers us and knocks us off our hinges. The religious sense of life kicks in when we are solicited by the possibility of the impossible, provoked by an unforeseeable future. Here is a realm where things do not bend to our knowledge or our will, and we are not calling the shots. We are out of our element. This is God's element, not ours. God's realm or kingdom where God rules. Here things are astir with some element of chance beyond our best laid plans, some future that we cannot see. Our sense of reality and of its limits is disturbed. We begin to lose our grip and find ourselves in the grip of something that carries us along. We are exposed, vulnerable, expectant, in motion, moving, being moved. We are transformed. The Galatians' problem was that they put too much stock 
in their religion. They figured that if they got their religion right, then they could count on things being clear and predictable. If they got their religion right, they could count on boundaries being clear, people being easily categorized, salvation being easily assured. And that is the kind of religion that utterly misses the point of the gospel. Dietrich Bonhoeffer was a German pastor and teacher and theologian and was imprisoned by the Nazis in Germany after participating in a plot to assassinate Hitler. And Bonhoeffer wrote quite a lot during his whole life, but even in prison he continued to write. And the letters that he wrote to a dear friend from prison remain great treasures for the church today. And at that time in his life, he was reflecting on the role and the nature of the church and of religion. And he reflects on Galatians and this question of circumcision, of of abiding by the law or not. And he writes this. He says, The question of whether circumcision is a condition for justification is today, in my opinion, the question of whether religion is a condition for salvation, freedom from circumcision, is also freedom from religion. Religion can bind us or it can set us free. It can lock us into a narrow way of viewing the world and others or it can open us up to the gospel, the only gospel there is, the only good news that there is, a gospel, by the way, that Paul wants us to be sure we know he did not invent The good news that God comes to us with grace. The good news that God still works in us and through us with grace. The good news that the people of God are knit together by grace. The good news that the church is sent out into the world to show grace. Religion can never possess God. And if we think it can, it will only stand in our way. If we think it can, we need to step back and let our third grader teach us math. We need to take a step back and open ourselves up to grow, to learn, to be surprised by God. This is religion at its best, not taking the holy and pinning it down and putting it under glass so that we can examine it and dissect it, but taking us and opening us up so that we are ready to receive the gospel, ready to embrace the good news, ready to be made new. Let us pray. God, take us all that we are, the goodness and the wickedness, the kindness and the anger the wisdom and the foolishness, the clarity and the misunderstanding. Take all that we are. Open us up to your good news. Make us ready to receive you, to share your grace with the world. In Jesus' name, amen.